Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Ramblers, let's get rambling. everybody and welcome to another edition of Ramble with Russell, show 498 of my podcast, the home of intelligent rambling right here on the Talk Shoe Network. I'm your host, Russ Hale. Got your show lined up for you today as we wind into fall and say goodbye to the summertime here in southern central Ontario. Let's start things off this week with a bit of a difference than what I usually do, but it's, it's got a lot of attention. To start things off with the and now Emmy Award winning TV crime show drama show, courtesy of the great folks Fox Home Entertainment, it is the American crime story The People versus O.J. Simpson. As we go back in time to the 1990s and witness the trial of the century, let me keep with the uh, uh, look, historical lookbacks, if you will, with another great Blu-ray release from the great folks at HBO Home Entertainment. It is Confirmation, the Anita Hill slash Clarence Thomas story on the show. But, you know, we're not going to stay too serious for too long. We're going to jump to the streets of New York City with the second outing of the uh, new lie adaptation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number two, out of the shadows on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment. And then we're going to go from the world of turtles to the world of the labyrinth with the 30th anniversary edition of Jim Henson's Labyrinth, courtesy of Sony Home Entertainment. That's all on this show, on this episode of Ramble with Russell. Now, before we get into the reviews today, there's a few things I wanted to comment about at the top of the show. Now, I am reviewing, of course, The People vs. O.J., and, and, and that, that won a buttload of Emmy Awards. Now, this is a bone of contention for me. Because I feel, and maybe if you're Ramblers, if you're out there, you feel the same way for me. I feel that the the cable shows should not compete with the regular networks, with compete with ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. I think that 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 a lot of the cable shows, and and the big example this year's series, even though I do like Game of Thrones, they cleaned up the Emmys this year, and even Veep did as well too. Uh, I, I don't think those shows should be allowed to compete with with regular network shows because cable shows can do violence, sexuality, nudity, and coarse language. And the network shows really can't compete with that. So I think the cable shows should have their own separate awards and then let you know the networks kind of compete in a fair ground. Ever since they, Emmy started letting that kind of in... I don't think it's a fair playing field. That's just me. You know, I, I don't work directly in the television industry, per se. But but I think they should be separate. I still think, you know, these shows deserve awards. They should have their award ceremony, but not competing. They should compete with the like shows and not shows that can't compete. That's that's just me. That's my personal opinion, and that's why I go. Before, though, I, I continue on the rest of the review, besides ranting about the Emmys, I did want to mention something on the show. Now, as you know, Ramblers, I don't get into my personal life very often here. I kind of keep my personal life personal. As you know, over the 10 years I've been doing this show, I don't give you guys a lot because, you know, it's just a need to know. But I did want to mark that this past Monday, at the time of this recording, I, I I celebrated my first year uh, wedding anniversary with the lovely Leanne, whom you've heard on this show before. She doesn't come on very often, but she does occasionally. I just wanted to publicly say that that this has been an amazing year. I look forward to many more. She she has turned my life around and given me direction, which 
Uh, long-time listeners know there was a wall. I was a little bit lost, and, and, and I was a little bit, you know, I was still doing the show, but my life, my personal life wasn't the best. And, and, and it's better because of her. You know, she helps me get through my day and makes me a better man from what I am. So, so I want to make that publicly to say that off the bat. Um, we had, we had a, a great day and I look forward to many more. So I just want to put that out there and that's enough of my personal life. That's, <laughs> that's all you're going to get. Uh, at least for now. So that's it at the top of the show. Uh, was something else that was buzzing in my head, but of course I can't remember now and I'll remember it later. If I do remember it, it'll be at, at, at the outro. Oh, I did want to thank at the top of the show as well. Recently, the, the last, uh, one of the recent episodes, uh, 496, I believe, uh, Marvel Money Madness, got retweeted and favorited a lot by a bunch of people. I, I put the cover up of the DK book, The Hulk is Angry, and of course you can find that at, at Rambling Russ. And on Twitter, and that got reliked and favorited a bunch of times on Twitter. And I got to thank if any of you out there listening to the show that did that. Thank you. I, I I really appreciate that. I don't know what caused it, but thank you for spreading the word. It did definitely did have an impact on my downloads for the past for that for that week. And I thank you. And uh, I, I hope that by discovering that link, you are now a fan of the show and a regular listener to the show. And of course, I'll tell you more about how, how to get past episodes at the end of this episode the way I normally do. So that's enough, not enough initial rambling. I've talked too long already at the start of the show. Got to take a quick little musical intro right up with my first review, The People versus O.J. Simpson, right after this. First TV show review for this episode is The People versus O.J. Simpson, an American crime story, courtesy of the great folks at Fox Home Entertainment on Blu-ray. Now, this is a very interesting TV series. Back in the 1990s, of course, the O.J. trial was the trial of the century. And though, although I was kind of in news back then, sort of, kind of, I really only half paid attention to this story. You know, I, of course, we all know the verdict, but I didn't know all the ins and outs of the case as much as I learned while watching this miniseries. This 10-episode series kind of takes you through the discovery of the bodies right up until the end of the trial. So we get a nice behind-the-scenes look into what actually happened. Now, of course, this is done for TV, so how much of it is facts and how much it is TVized and an open. But but that is up to the people involved it to judge. Now, I have to say, the casting for this is pretty good, except for one thing. Sarah Paulson as Marsha Clark is great. I've I seen pictures of the real Marsha Clark and her, and the resemblance is really uncanny. So they did a really good job there. Uh, you have John Travolta as Robert Shapiro. Um, Christopher Darden is played by Sterling K. Brown. Judge Lance Ito, and they picked a really good likeness for Ito, is played by Kenneth Cho, uh, Cho, Choi. Uh, and an O.J. Simpson is played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Now, although Cuba Gooding Jr. is a good actor, don't get me wrong about that. I think that acting-wise, yeah, he's one of the top actors of today. And, and, and yes, he's African-American, but his resemblance to O.J., I don't know. I mean, they gave him the OJ haircut. And if you were looking at Cuba from a distance, maybe you'd say, oh, look at that. He kind of looks like OJ. But, but I don't know. Just face-wise, they could have done more. Like in this series, they really made Travolta look like Shapiro. And in some ways... They transformed Travolta's face to look like almost a young Arnold Schwarzenegger from the back of the 1990s. So, so they did a good job there in, in kind of sculpting Travolta's face to look like Shapiro's. But for Cuba, I don't know. I just couldn't they have picked a, a, like another actor that more looks like OJ to play OJ, or could they have not done something to Cuba's face? To make him look more like OJ. And you notice this the most, and I know I'm nitpicking, but it's my show. 
you notice this the most when they when they when when they use actual footage from that time period in this TV show, and you can see OJ's face and going, "Wait a minute, the resemblance really isn't there." So, so that's what this ten episode series is. They they use real uh, like like clips from the media intermingled with stuff that they've created for the show. That that adds a nice mix to it and really kind of blurs that line between reality and fiction. And I think they do a really good job with that. I, I like how that's done. Now, the trial itself, you watch this and you really got to feel sympathy for Marsha Clark and the prosecution. Because in a lot of ways, they had O.J., pretty good they had all this dna they had all this evidence saying that he was there and he had something to do with it and the case against him evidence wise was pretty good the trouble is defense led by johnny cochran who is really well done here he's played by courtney b vance and he really kind of captures the feel of johnny cochran he, the, whereas the, the, the prosecution was going on evidence and saying, well, look, there's blood here. It matches OJ's. There's a one in something billionth chance that it's somebody else. And we don't, there's nobody else that, you know, and then OJ had a history of violence with Nicole and that they were, there's been times he actually beat her. And so they had all this hard facts. And the defense was, well, you know, we're just going to poo-poo those facts and we're going to play the race card. Now, keep in mind in America in the 1990s, this was after the Rodney King incident. This was after the riots. So things in America were kind of, racial tension was really there. So they decided to kind of play the race card and say, forget about the evidence. That evidence isn't good because it was planted by the LAPD to frame O.J., so that's where the, the defense went, and that's kind of how the case fell apart. It no longer became a case of evidence. It became a case of, of, of race. And, and Cochran pretty much convinced the jury to vote with your heart and to use this as an example to, to, you know, to, to, to fight the system kind of thing. And, and 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 yeah, and and the result was the result. We all know it. I, I'm, I you know, I, I I can't really be a spoiler here because this happened in real life. We all know what happened to OJ, and, and and at least for that, he didn't go to jail. So so justice, unfortunately, in the American system was not done that day. Overall, this is an interesting kind of glimpse into history. I said I didn't really, I only kind of half watched the OJ trial, but I didn't realize how much of a circus and how much game playing was done. I don't blame the the actors for getting Emmy nominations. I think they really deserved it. I said you really feel sorry for Marsha Clark in this result. So you get 10 episodes on three discs. Um, the, the featurettes are past imperfect, the trial of the century. This is a look back at the trial with many of the people that were involved in it and the producers and actors from the series. You also get the facts of the case, interactive timeline. This is a neat, kind of a neat featurette where you can go in through menus and select different things and it gives you bits of, of what's going on in, in history within that. It's, it's something if you've got a lot of time with, you can go through uh, but it's it's really if, if you're really um, I guess about it where's a fact to file there is no audio commentary in any of these episodes which would have been a shame I would like to have heard some of the producers or Cuba or John Travolta or Sarah Paulson either way that would have been interesting uh, if you're looking for a little blast in the past it is a kind of an interesting look at, at the time in history and, and what exactly went on and behind the scenes. Also, David Schwimmer is in this one as Robert Kardashian and has the, the, the craziest hair I've ever seen. And, and is a guy who, through the course of this trial, he really has to reevaluate his friendship with OJ. The packaging for this release is kind of neat. There is a, a pull-apart 
um, slipcover to it, which gives you the timeline of the whole series from June 1994 right up until August, October 1995. You also have to kind of pity the jury. They were on this trial for more than eight months uh, before they were allowed to make a verdict. And it didn't surprise me they did it in four hours because he probably said, you know what, we've been here this long. Why delay this any further? And, and they got what they got. So that is my take of American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson. Courtesy of the great folks at Fox Home Entertainment. on Blu-ray Review Plus episode is Confirmation, courtesy of HBO Home Entertainment. Now, once again, we're going back in history to a time and period that, that was very tumultuous back in the 1990s. Now, this takes place uh, back when George Bush was trying to bring in some new Supreme Court judges way back in 1991. So we're around pretty close to the same time as the OJ stuff, early 1990s. The big uproar was when, when Bush was trying to bring in um, Clarence Thomas as a Supreme Court judge. Now, as and, and, and historically what happened is that Bush before this had tried to bring somebody in and that failed miserably. So he was trying to kind of, you know, not have two failures in a row. 
So as as Clarence Thomas is about to be sworn in, uh, uh, some reporters approach Anita Hill, at this time played by Kerry Washington, and say, um, listen, we've uncovered this kind of dirt, we've uncovered this stuff about the time you worked work for him 10 years ago, and we want to confirm it's true. Now, Anita Hill has a choice here. She can stay silent about this, as she has for the ten, past 10 years, and just say it was nothing, and, and life goes on. But for some reason, uh, back then, uh, she, she, she decided that, no, she wasn't going to stay silent. Even after 10 years, she saw that this judge was going to be you know, promoted to one of the highest judgy points in the United States. And maybe that was her motivation. They, they, point, they, blank, they, they ask her straight out, why after 10 years uh, you know, removed from when she was working for him, uh, is she coming forward? She, see, I don't know. It doesn't really give that much of a definitive answer in that she feels she had to do it. And, and by, by speaking out on this, this exposes her life to a lot of scrutiny. And, and I'll have to warn you that, that this movie, that there are certain parts of it that are not for the, the prudish. The, the, the incidents that Anita Hill describes that went on with Clarence Thomas are very graphic. She talks about a certain part of hair, on a certain part of the body, on a certain Coke can, which I think is still known to this day, and, and, and talks about some very crass things. And, and so if, if you're easily offended, you know, this might not be for you, but it comes down to a point of he said, she said. And and who do you believe? Do you believe, you know, Anita Hill, who who's bringing this up, or do you believe Clarice Thomas, who completely denies that this happened? So that that is the case. So there's a big hearing in this, and we get a lot of the testimony back and forth. Eventually, Clarence Thomas does get the position, but 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 Anita Hill bringing this out in the open does shed the light on 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 a on on a you know on the problem of women being taken advantage of and she does make a positive difference what the cost to her personal life totally is but she does make a a statement for sexual harassment and it does cause some changes to happen in the US system so it really is uh a, a turning point when it comes to workplace equality and gender politics because that's what this main debate is really out it's it's he said she said well clarence thomas is played by wendell pierce he does a really good job with this i i unlike the the oj i think they did a really good job casting him as clarence thomas if you look at him and the real person facially uh, like looks like they're they're spot on and and the resemblance is really uncanny. So they did a good job there. Uh, if you're curious, much like with OJ at this time in history, and you want to get the real facts behind this, it's worth checking out. It is HBO, so keep in mind that the language will get kind of crude and will get kind of crass when it comes to the the testimony itself. Uh, and it, what's funny is that at the end of this movie we get a montage of clips surrounding the events and the even show clip where i think look like it's chris rock does a skit where he comes out as long dong silver <laughs> so it's it's interesting how they mix much like with the oj the real clips along with the actors for featurettes you do get the carrington walk carrie washington on historical impacts so the actress talks about the impact of these these um, the uh, the nomination hearings and and the harassment stuff. You also got Wendell Pierce as well, so you get both actors talking about this particular thing, and then you get uh, confirmation character spots as well. No, no uh, commentary, unfortunately, uh, when it comes to that. It would have been a shame. Uh, it would have been. Shame that that didn't include that. It would be nice to hear from the director and from the stars as you were actually watching the feature. 
As movies go, if you need some historical drama, like recent historical drama, not going back to the time of Lee or Hodas and Dites, then yeah, check this out. I did learn a lot about this because, again, much like OJ, I kind of caught on the peripheral. And and it is it is amazing. Uh, I I have to give the woman courage to 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 stand up to the cause she, oh the scrutiny she received for it couldn't have made her life any any easier. So that is my t- and and the points go to Kerry Washington. She really does a good job with this and and was was very well cast for this. So that is my take of confirmation on Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at HBO Home Entertainment.
Our Blu-ray movie review for this episode is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, or Out of the Shadows, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment. Now, of course, this is the sequel to the first one that came out back in 2014, and it's produced by Michael Bay. The same guy, of course, reinvented Transformers, and has uh, dealt with G.I. Joe as well. So so this is the second outing. Now, this time around, though, we have changed directors. The writing staff stays the same, but, but the directors have changed. This time around, we have uh, Dave Green as a director, but Josh Applebaum and Andre Nemec are still the writers. And much of the cast uh, has stayed the same. We still have um, Megan Fox... As April O'Neil, Will Arnett as 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 Vern Fenwick, and of course the voice of Shredder is Tony Shalhoub. Now this movie kind of takes place about a year after the first movie, where the turtles at the end of the first movie, of course, gave credit to defeating Shredder to Vern because they wanted to kind of stay out of the stay out of the spotlight. So it's been a year now, and Vern is basking in celebrity. He's got the key to the city, and he's called. Vern the Falcon Fenwick. So, now, I'd have to rewatch the first movie again to see how exactly they let Vern take the credit for beating Shredder, but there you go. So that's the premise you kind of have to go into here, saying, okay, Vern's a hero. Well, in the years since, the Turtles are getting kind of antsy. They're kind of sick of being in the shadows and, you know, not blending in the public and in the typical teenagers. Well, a new threat arrives when Shredder, and we finally get to see Shredder this time. We get to see the the actor behind the mask. Although his role in this, I'm going to say, is is kind of limited. Uh, Brian T. is Shredder in this, and his on-camera work, Saul's mask, it's a little limited. So, so at the start of this movie, Shredder gets, you know, small spoiler here, gets broken out of prison. At the same time, two other inmates called Bebop and Rocksteady. Rocksteady is played by WWE superstar Sheamus. And Bebop is played by by, um, Gary Anthony Williams, who I believe does the voice of Bebop in the Nickelodeon show as well. Of course, Seamus, a.k.a. Stephen uh, Fairley. Although, and it's funny, in the extras, they actually call him Stephen. So, there, there's your, your voices for uh, Bebop and Rusty. So, he, so, they break out as humans. Seamus has very little screen time <laughs> as a human being. And, and they soon get converted into their usual form, courtesy of the ooze. This time, it's purple, not green. Provide to them by Krang. Yes, good old Krang, the alien brain that talks, makes an appearance in this movie. Now, unfortunately, he's not voiced by the the, the guy who, um, but the, the the original guy from the '80s, or the one who does it in the Nickelodeon show. This time around, good old Krang is voiced by Brad Garrett, who, of course, we remember from Everybody Loves Raymond. And the Krang suit in in this movie, holy moly, does he ever get an upgrade. Uh, This mechanized suit of Krang's is really kind of done. So so Krang teams up with Shredder, although the partnership is kind of short-lived, to 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 help who wants to uh, put these pieces of this device together to bring the Technodrome into Earth and conquer the planet because that's what they always plan. So that's kind of the, the goal that the turtles have to now stop Shredder and Krang with with Bebop and Rocksteady uh, in tow. Now I have to say this time around it's been a while since I watched the first one. I just ramblers didn't have time to see the first one. I just only have, I barely have time to watch anything. So I I don't remember exactly. I mean it was a fairly action packed movie. In this sequel, they kind of go the action is is pretty a lot in this movie. At one point the turtles do a drop from one plane to get to another plane. That is some crazy effects there. And we get introduced this movie around to a new revised turtle van. And this one is crazy. But unfortunately, like most high-tech vehicles look really cool in a movie, 
It's not on screen for long. It's more on, it's, it's more on screen for the Dynacar from the Metro Woman and Dyna Girl. Remember that review from a while back? Gets a little more screen time than that, but not by much. It's like one chase and the turtle van is done and dusted. So uh, this movie around uh, said so the turtles are more anxious. It's more of um, the, the, they're trying, they're having problems communicating, and that of course doesn't help them with the team. The, the big fight with Krang near the end. Uh, it's very, I gotta say, very reminiscent of the big fight that they had at the end with Shredder at the first movie. If you compare fights, it's pretty similar. It's out in a big open area. All of them are attacking at once. It's, uh, I don't know, it's a case of a history repeating. I, I said, what I do remember the first movie, I think it's very similar <laughs> to it. Although, don't get me wrong, I said the Krang robot is, is really impressive. Overall, it's a fun movie for what it is. It's, it's a Michael Bay movie. It's Michael, it's Michael Bay Turtles. So you kind of take it as it is. I have to admit, the, um, the, the voice actors they have for the movies are completely separate than the animated show. And they do a good job. And, 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 and I, I don't mind this version of the Turtles. There is a nice little moment where, where the Turtles, um, where it's Turtles meet Transformers. But not how you think. But there's a nice little meeting of the worlds there, courtesy of Michael Bay. That's a cute scene. Also added to the cast this time around is Baxter Stockman. Uh, Tyler Perry is Baxter Stockman. And that's another character, much like Splinter, where he gets used, but he gets disposed of really quickly. And we'll see if he makes an appearance in the third. No, no, sorry, folks. Unfortunately, even though Ooze introduced, we do not have Baxter Fly Stockman. That maybe will be a third movie. We'll see, but we don't get that iteration. You have to wait for that, apparently. And and Splinter and Shredder in this one, ah, he gets kind of put on the shelf, and we'll see how he recovers for a third movie. Also, Tony Shalhoub as Splinter doesn't get used that much in this movie, really at all. It's kind of a minor role for him, and he doesn't even get credited at the end of the title sequence. They do all the characters, but no love for Tony Shalhoub at the end. So, I don't get that. Does it help to have seen the first movie to kind of see the second? Yeah, in a way. Uh, it, it, it does, because it's more expanded on the characters. Also, another addition to the, the, the franchise is Stephen Amell as Casey Jones. Yes, and, and, and the, TV's Arrow is Casey Jones. And this is another case where as iconic as the hockey mask is, and this goes back to me to Spider-Man too, you, you only see him in the hockey mask for like one scene. And then the rest of the bloody movie, he's zipping around Saul's mask. So it's another case of like, let's not hide the pretty boy actor's face behind the mask, even though the mask is part of the character. Uh, we're just going to just give you a little bit of fan service and we're going to go throw it away. So there's that. Um, when it comes to comparing his performance, Stephen Amell's and Turtles to Arrow, he's kind of like a more carefree Oliver Queen. You take all the angst out of Oliver Queen, all the regret, all the... And you have Casey Jones. Uh, pretty much it's less angsty Oliver would maybe not as much martial arts training. In this one, he plays a cop who who gets in trouble because of the... Well, after the Turtles... Uh, after Splinter and Bebop and Rocksteady because they kind of got away from him. So that's... So we get his origin. We get a hint of his relationship between him and April. We'll see how that progresses if there's a third movie. Overall, uh, a fairly fun movie. Is it kid-safe? Um, For the most part... There are some scenes in this that, that do get a little intense, do get a little scary, and, and Krang is very gross. So I caution with maybe small, small children that if you, they really want to watch Turtles, stick with a Nickelodeon show, or hell, go back to the 1980s show. Uh, is it less violent than the original 1990s? Yeah, in some ways. It's it's very cartoony. Uh, it's it, it depends how you want to look at it. Uh, overall, as a sequel, I think it 
it it succeeds. We introduce new characters. It advances the storyline. Seamus is rock steady. Yeah, I I guess it it kind of works. Um, the, <laughs> it's so weird to see hear his voice. Um, in in that body, but hey, that's the way it's gonna go. Overall, if you're a fan of Turtles, yeah, check it out. Uh, the action is just as crazy. And I, I think it has a, a decent enough ending, which def, but totally hints of what's maybe more to come if a third movie ever happens in another couple of years. Uh, for extras, a fair amount of extras crammed on one Blu-ray disc. You get... Um, oh, and song-wise... Music in this movie is all over the place. We get a we get a lot of older music, which clearly they're targeting at the older fans, which may go above the heads of a lot of young kids and go, "Wow, they're playing the old music," but it was still nice to hear. For a nice version of "Whoa, what is it good for?" That's in the movie. Um, the, the, the extras are uh, we get deleted scenes, of course. Uh, we are family, just talking about how the turtles all. Late together as family, and the actors talking about that. Uh, whoa, expand, whoa, expanding the turtle universe, introduction of the new characters, house party, uh, the uh, featurette on their lair that was redone for the sequel. Um, then it's tricky inside the van, a really cool featurette on the turtle van and the actual practical work inside workings of it. ILM, the effects beneath the shell. This is just a. Um, uh, just a rolling shot of comparing how they, they entered in the, the digital footage for one of the scenes. And then, did you catch that? Turtle eggs. This is the producer of the movie saying, here's some of the turtle eggs, we, the egg Easter eggs we try threw in throughout the movie, but we're not telling you where all of them are. You just kind of have to catch them yourself. So there are some in there that I spotted and someone going, all right, you can count that as an egg if you want to. Overall, as sequels go, it's pretty much the same. Uh, new characters. I didn't like the introduction of Krang. Although I think his android suit, it was a little too metallic. And a lot of the detail was lost. And it was all shiny metal in the same color. I think it would have been a nice homage to the original series. If they still would have had that kind of human skin level to them. And not just all shiny and metally. That's just me. So that is my take of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, Shadows, Shadows on the Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Paramount Home Entertainment.
My movie on DVD review for this episode is Labyrinth, the 30th anniversary edition, courtesy of the great folks at Sony Home Entertainment. Now, it's amazing to me that Labyrinth has been around for 30-plus years. It's one of those movies that is a really milestone when it comes to puppeteering. That, along the Dark Crystal, was when Jim Henson was really kind of stretching his wings beyond the Muppets, beyond television, and kind of trying to do something different. And I thought it's very appropriate for me to talk about this this week with me talking about the Turtles before. Because the original Turtles in the 1990s were actually guys in suits designed by Jim Henson. So there's a little tie-in for you there. Now, the movie, of course, stars a very young Jennifer Connelly. She had only done a few movies at this point and would go on to, you know, quite a few movies that I've enjoyed. Uh, after this movie, she, of course, was in Dark Matter. Uh, she was in The Rocketeer. And and a few other uh, of the, the fun movies I, uh, as, as she went on in her career. But this was really... She was like 14 years old when she did this. And, and there's only really very few humans in the story. Jennifer Connelly plays Sarah... A young teenage girl who gets forced to babysit her younger brother, Toby, who's maybe somewhere between one and two, maybe not more than a few months old, while her parents go out to dinner out on the town. And that's really the only time you see her parents are right at the beginning and right at the end. And mostly it's her and Bowie. Now, Bowie is 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 the Goblin King in this one, Jareth. And this is Bowie at his prime. I mean, you know, this is when he was just, you know, really kicking it 30 years ago. And it's one of these fun movies that, um, like, I would never call myself a huge David Bowie fan. But there's something about David Bowie that is just endlessly entertaining. And, and he wrote and and composed all the songs in this movie. So it's him doing that and Trevor Rabin doing the orchestral. So it's a really different kind of combination. And his his song, the main one, Down in the Underground, actually did very well when it came to the charts back in the day. Now, what makes this new? Now, I, I previously have a Labyrinth um, on Blu-ray, one of those movies I got like ages ago, along with Dark Crystal. Uh, is you get new special features. Uh, and now you do get one extra special feature in the Blu-ray that you don't get in the DVD. So just keep that in mind. For the Blue- DVD, you do get um, the Henson Legacy. This is where the Henson kids, essentially the the, the, I think the wife and the, the kids of Jim Henson, talk about the legacy of, of the man. Although it's mostly centered on on the the um, the Labyrinth stuff. And and not so much on the Muppets. And the, there's also in this featurette, they tell you that there is actually a mu- museum somewhere in the States, and they don't say where, a big puppetry museum where a lot of the Jim Henson stuff is on display. And now that's a museum I would love to attend. I don't know where it is in the States. They kind of gloss over that fact. But that'd be really cool to check out. Also, remembering the Goblin King, a nice featurette where the same people from the one before kind of talk about David Bowie and his role. And it also includes some great archival footage of a young Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie and even uh, uh, Tim Henson back in the day talking about making the movie. You get the theatrical trailer. That's new as well. And you do get uh, your, your kind of carryover extras. You get commentary by the conceptual designer, Brian Frood. And a making of documentary, about a, an hour making a featurette from back in the day. So on archival making the featurette, although it's kind of cool because you see yeah, younger Jim Henson. And and again, Bowie and Connolly talking about making the movie. And a lot of behind the scenes and how they did a lot of the puppetry in the movie. Now keep in mind, even though there's a young girl in this, much like the Dark Crystal, this is Jim Henson's humor. Okay, and much like the Muppet Show, especially the early Muppet Shows, sometimes the humor can get a little dark and get a little scary. So keep that in mind. It, it, it's very much I, I would I would send the same caution out to say the um, to to the Dark Crystal and even the Never Ending Story, really, for that matter. As Sarah goes along her quest, she's joined by Hoggle, a kind of weird, kind of dwarfy guy. 
It's kind of like a hobbit if a hobbit was on crack. That's the best I can describe it. Uh, and 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 uh, a little a little little um, very aggressive small dog that rides another dog, and a giant beast called Ludo who can summon rocks. So that's that's it. it's another one of these puppetry in live action movies. The music is great. The music may be lost in some kids, unless some kids can get into Bowie. And it may be a little dark for some younger children. Now, there is one point, because I'm a film critic and this is what I do, I, I want to nitpick at, and, you know, kids would forget about it. There's one point where they're going past the bog of eternal stench. And, and they, they establish in the movie early on that even if you touch the water, even just a little bit, you will stuck being smelly for the rest of your life. And, 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 and during the movie, Sarah is trying to cross a bridge, and the bridge collapses. So she's dangling by a tree branch over the water. And slight spoiler here, Ludo uses his rock summoning powers to, to summon up these rocks to go under her so she doesn't fall into the water. But, but, folks, if you think about it, the rocks rise up from the water. They rise up from the water covered in the stench water. So therefore, when she lands on the rocks, the rocks are covered with the stench. So therefore, she's indirectly touching the water. So therefore, she would be stinky for the rest of her life. So that, they kind of gloss over that. I guess, I guess the, the, the rules suddenly change. You have to be totally immersed in it to smell like it. But I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's one of those plot things like, could we have thought of another way for her to get across without actually touching? Because she indirectly touches the water because it comes up. And I'm, I know I'm being picky, but those little things that I always notice. Overall, it's a fun movie. Uh, the Bowie songs are fun. The sets and the, and, the, and the puppetry is amazing. Consider this is 30 years ago, pre-CGI, pre-mocap. This is all practical and there. And it's amazing how they do it. Um, if, if you still have the Blu-ray and you really want these featurettes, then maybe it's worth upgrading for. You kind of have to make your call. If you don't already have the Blu-ray, then yeah, I would suggest checking out. It's a fun Bowie movie and a Henson movie that a lot of times is forgotten because it, it, it wasn't totally mainstream in a way but it's also this movie marks the first use of a cgi owl in the beginning of the movie so there you go early early days of cg but not the crazy mocap stuff we have now so that is my take of the 30th anniversary of the labyrinth on dvd courtesy the great folks sony home entertainment That's going to wrap things up for this edition of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can touch me with a number of ways on the old internet. You can check me out on Twitter. I'm at RamblingRuss, at R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Tweet me and I'll tweet you back. I appreciate all the retweets and favorites I get on Twitter, especially this past week. I really appreciate that. It really does spread the word. And, of course, check out Twitter and Facebook for all any um, cover art that I post. People, you really like that that cover art. From the Marvel book, and um, when I get more cover art, of course, I'll be putting it on both um, Twitter and Facebook. Of course, Facebook, just type in Ramble with Russell in the search engine, and you'll find my Facebook page there. And throw a like my way, if you will. Of course, you can check out all the new episodes right here in TalkShoe. I'm show caller ID 18411. That is my caller ID. Just type that into the TalkShoe search engine. You'll find me there. And on my older episodes, you can chill che- ch- still check out on Libsyn. Just go HTTP, full colon, backslash, backslash, ramblingrust.libsyn.com. That is my original home on the internet where I have over eight plus years of podcasting goodness going from May 2006 right up to August 2013. And then I jumped here to Lib- to, li- to uh, talk show so that you can find it there. And all their episodes, of course, are available as well in the iTunes store under podcast. Just type in Rambled Russell in the podcasty thingy and you'll find me there. So that is where I am. Coming up on the show, I have so much more to talk about, but there's only one of me. Yeah. 
So, uh, coming up next week, I'm going to try to make my way through um, uh, Star Wars Rebels Season 2 on Blu-ray, courtesy of Walt Disney Home Entertainment. As well, the movie The Shallow, starring Blake Lively, where a woman gets stranded so far from shore. Uh, I'll make my way through Halt and Catch Fire Season 2, courtesy of Uncle Bay. And the Peanuts movie, A Boy Named Charlie Brown on Blu-ray. First time on Blu-ray. And possibly as well, Snoopy, come home! All courtesy of the Charlie Brown stuff, courtesy of Paramount Home Video. So that's possibly for next week. I am still, because it is still Superhero September. That's why we did Turtles. Still making my way through Season 3 of Arrow and Season Dose of, uh, Season 1, sorry, of The Flash. I'm hoping I can get through them uh, sometime soon, but that is an ongoing measure. And my continue effort to play superhero catch-up from the CW Network. Still to come once I get through those, of course, we have Flash Season 2, Arrow Season 4, and, of course, The Legends of Tomorrow. That's all in future episodes of the show. As well, speaking of TV... Hope to catch up on Hawaii Five O Season 6, Madam Secretary Season 2, Modern Family Season 7, and I am still one of these days, I Zombie Season Dose as well, um, Scorpion Season 2, and Empire Season 2 as well. So that's all kind of on the docket. Um, I still have to get through Roots, the, the, um, the TV series. And the movie The Nice Guys, courtesy of courtesy of uh, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment. Also, as well, um, I'll try to make my way through the brand new Beauty and the Beast Signature Edition on Blu-ray. And one of these days, I'll get to the Twin Peaks collection, uh, the original series, Fire Walk Me, and the Missing Pieces on Blu-ray, courtesy of Paramount Home Video. And, of course, uh, on the CW docket as well is for season Supergirl on Blu-ray and Gotham's season one and Dose. So that's all possibly coming up on the show. And then maybe as well I'll get through the Night Manager, courtesy of Sony, which did very well at the Emmys, to Blind Spot season one and the Nexo Lego Nexo Knights season one. That's all kind of kicking around on the docket for this show. And you're saying to yourself, Hey, Russ, how come you've got lacking on the video games? It's just it's, it's time, time, time. Uh, I am kind of playing the way through uh, a new one, uh, courtesy of Xbox Live Gold, which I got membership through great folks at Veritas, Microsoft Canada, called Assassin's Creed Chronicles. Uh, and I did myself pick up some Assassin's Creed games, which maybe I'll go through and talk about. We'll see. Uh, just... <laughs> So much time. Ah, there's only one of me. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll do our best coming up to get through it all. There's also some other great releases coming up in the next month. I did get um, access to the new HBO show Vice Principals on, on, on digital, and I'll try to go through that. Uh, starring good old Kenny Powers, Danny McBride, uh, which is available on iTunes and Google Store. Uh, I hopefully maybe get get a review of that before the uh, TV series even hits video, courtesy of great folks at HBO. So that's possibly as well in the mix. So a lot of stuff to talk about and more than enough material for me. <laughs> but we'll, we'll do our best to get through it on the show. Thank you all for listening. Hope you uh, have a having a good start of fall, and we'll catch you next week on the show. One more programming note, because my brain made me remember it. We are coming up to episode 500 of this podcast. A journey I started more than 10 years ago is still going. And I want to do something big for 500. I know officially I've done more than 500 because of all the extras. But the official 500 marker, I'm going to try to coordinate with our good friend of the show, Dave A.C. Cooper, to possibly, uh, within the next couple of weeks, we'll see, uh, do a, a live on Talk Show 500th episode special where Dave and I, Dave will be my co-host, co-host, we will do a live show, talk about a number of things sci-fi related, and we'll take your calls as listeners. And you can ask us anything you want to talk about when it comes to the stuff we generally talk about. That will probably be on um, 
maybe on a Sunday, keep listening to the show and keep watching my Twitter feed and possibly my Facebook. When I can nail down a time with Mr. Cooper, then I will post it on my social feeds and then you'll know. And when I do, I encourage you to come check it out. Probably be an hour show when we do it. It's just a matter of courting with him because he lives in England and he's five hours ahead of me. And that's the way it goes. But he's a great co-host for the live shows and I, I, I wouldn't feel right doing one without him. He's been a great friend of the show. And of course, I encourage you to listen to his Cultum Collective, which is right here in Talk Show as well, on the weekends. I don't know the exact time, but you can find it there. That is it for me. I have talked way enough right now. And we're going to say bye-bye. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.